listening to Nexus Global APM on air, where we bring our listeners and connection between excellence and knowledge. I'm Larry Olson, CEO and president of Nexus Global, and I'll be your host for this session of Nexus Global APM on air. Today, our guest is Peter Sherman, director of Australia for Nexus Global. Peter is a professional engineer with over 20 years experience in asset management. He's extremely passionate about asset management. He's presented nationally and internationally and is an author of many articles. We'll be talking with Peter today about accelerating asset performance by owning the failure mode. Peter, thank you for joining us in today's session of Nexus Global iRadio. Hey, Larry, it's great to be here. Okay, Peter, you have a passion. I can tell uh, most times when I'm talking with you, you have a passion for asset performance management. Can you explain briefly what asset performance management is? Hey, yeah, yeah, for sure, Larry. Look, asset management is, is one of those big entities, and uh, many people treat it differently. And what I've found is the asset management done right, or APM, is really an enabler. It's really a systematic approach to asset management, and it's a fantastic process for highlighting every opportunity to become better at taking control of how your assets perform. In simple terms, it's, it's really based around five key domains, being leadership, strategy, data, incident, and work management. But the process is more than that. It's, it's really fantastic at identifying the positive and negative influences which ultimately control how your assets perform. Unfortunately, many businesses see asset management as an engineering or a liability process, and the consequence of that is businesses really fail to understand how the influences of their entire business affect the assets that they have. Interesting. So you you mentioned influences. So where do you believe the influences are in the organization that will help change the way companies look at asset performance management? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, look, technically, influences are really just events, actions, or really energy, which really contribute to what is a failure mode. And in simple terms, a failure mode is really the reasons why we fail to achieve our best case scenario or our best asset performance. Practically anything can really potentially contribute to failure modes. You know, some things contribute more than others. So... As sort of engineers and and technical type people, our role is to try and eliminate, minimize, control, and manage these failure modes as best as we can. But the truth is, asset managers really need to take control of these influences so they can take control of their failure modes. You know, businesses who think failure modes and reliability are only maintenance and engineering concerns really, really struggle. The fact is, leadership, management practices, supply chain, procurement, engineering, quality, operations, and maintenance all really influence failure modes. And if we really want to get better, we really need to look at how each of those groups really affect the outcomes. And ultimately, the people who can influence a failure mode need to take ownership and understand how their influences can sometimes really cause problems. And sometimes that means looking in a mirror. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I mean, we all want to look in the mirror someday and, and see something good happen. But r- reality is 
basically, I think, it sounds like there may be some misalignment within companies on who influences and who owns asset management. Can you expand on the ownership issue a little more? You know, too often we hear that uh, maintenance owns this, but is that really the case and who really owns it? Can you break this down a little? <laughs> oh, look, certainly can, man. Certainly can. Look, <laughs> when we really start looking at all of this, it, it's, we, you know, we, we as technical people start using terms like failure modes. And when we use these terms, often people switch off and they'll say, well, that's a maintenance concern or that's an engineering concern and it's not really my problem. And unfortunately, as engineers and maintenance people, you know, we're our own worst enemy. You know, we often create complex solutions to manage these influences that start events, which ultimately lead to a breakdown or a failure mode. And unfortunately, the engineers like to think that we can fix everything and, and, and we sort of kind of love doing that sort of stuff. So what do we do? We build something, you know, we make it really good, we make it really great, and we try and highlight how, as engineers, we've, we've fixed this problem. But unfortunately, fixing a problem doesn't necessarily fix what actually started the problem or what really influenced that problem. And <laughs> what we're really doing is not really being as good as we potentially should be. The reality is there's so many different things that really influ influence these failure modes and really influence asset performance. You know, management decisions can really drive performance the way the equipment is designed, how we plan our work, how we schedule our work, how we schedule production and plan production. All the tools, the materials, you know, installation, that's a big one. But morale. And even the basic operating and maintenance practices, all of, all of which can influence how the machines and how the equipments perform. And the reality is some of these failures that we have as businesses I kind of expected there's certain things that we cannot prevent and cannot predict because they're just inherent in the way that we run it. Things do wear out, but there are some things that are avoidable. There are failures that are unacceptable. It might be how we're storing the part contributes to the fact that when we install it, the fact that it was stored in a place that was vibrating or initiating a problem, when we install it, we've already you know, damaged or shortened the life of that component before it got an opportunity to run. You'd be surprised how many plants that I've been to, and I've been lucky enough to visit quite a few, plants that are producing exactly the same product, making exactly the same thing in a very, very similar space, they highlight that two very similar machines perform completely differently. Now, what we don't understand is how can two pieces of equipment perform exactly the same function have two completely different performance levels. And what we found is how people interact with those machines and how we operate those machines is fundamentally the difference. And each of those things are driven by how we manage our assets, how we manage the systems that support our assets, and how we manage the people who operate those assets. So if we look at the whole picture... And in order to do that, like I said earlier, we need to be thinking about all those key functions, which is leadership, understanding what events we have, we need a strategy, we need to collect and manage data, value-added data, and really understand what it is that's driving our outcomes. You know, <laughs> how people manage the influences really divides the players from the pretenders. It's a, quite an interesting topic to expand on. Yeah, yeah, that's good, Peter. You know, we touched pretty much on the uh, 
the influencers or the the people who have an input or some type of a an effect on how the equipment operates and, and runs. So, you know, those influencers, they could be anybody in the organization. We need to understand that anyone in the organization and everyone should be the ownership of some of these things and, you know, look at it in a, in a different way as we move forward. One thing we mentioned a few times uh, in, in some of your comments here, you talked about failure modes a couple of times. So can you tell us a little bit more about the failure modes and, and controls of them and where and how do we manage these? Yeah, yeah, certainly can, certainly can. Look, this is, this is something that I find businesses do a really, really good job of complicating. And, and in real simple terms, reliability isn't, shouldn't be treated that hard. I like to think of reliability as one of two things. We're either trying to keep things together or we're trying to keep things apart. It gets a little bit more complex, of course, but the reality is it's really that simple. If we assume that we do have opportunities to improve because of how we operate our machine, we look at a problem and we can say, there's a better way. Now, if we were living in a best-case scenario, if we were living in the perfect world, we would be designing our assets for performance management. You know, we would get it right at the design phase. But unfortunately, most of us don't have that luxury. So if we want to improve, if we want to get better, we really need to go back to what I call the basics. We need to learn about failure modes. And the failure modes are the reasons why things happen. These are identifiable condition indicating a problem. So if we want to get in control, we need to understand what kind of actions or events start these failure modes. For example, if we have a bearing, how we install that bearing could initiate a little piece of damage which lead to that bearing failing, or it could be how we lubricate that particular rolling element, Or, for example. Now, in order to do this, we really need to educate people who interact with the machines at various levels, and that could go back to you know, our procurement and stores and management all through the business, we need to really educate people to understand how their actions can influence a failure mode. We like to teach people about this engineering term called the PF theory, and um, you may not have heard of that before, but the PF theory is kind of tied to an engineering concept built around this process called reliability-centered maintenance, which is kind of exciting if you're in the engineering space. But outside of that, it can be treated as really, really simple. Right? If you know when something's going to fail, you just deal with it before it fails. If you don't know when something's going to fail, but it gives you little indicators that it's on the way out, we look for those indicators. And sometimes things go from working to failing incredibly quickly. Now, in those cases, we can't detect them. And if there's no indicators and they happen quickly, there's a pretty good chance we can't stop them from occurring. So we've got to try and eliminate what potentially initiated them if we want to control them better. So. If we want to get better, if we really want to manage failure modes, we really need to make sure that we focus on the things that we can control and not try and manage consequences of failures. So focus on the causes and not not get too hung up on the consequences. If we fix the causes, we don't have to worry about the consequences. And the reality is the number of times I've been to businesses, I see that the maintenance activities they perform cause more problems than they prevent. They open things up unnecessarily just to check them. And the reason they're having the problem is because they open them up. So if we really want to improve, if we really want to get somewhere where we want to be, we need to first educate. 
We ne- second thing we need to do is make sure that our maintenance strategy is is tuned and aligned. And we use a PM optimization process to make sure that we just get rid of everything that's not value adding and make sure we're doing the right things at the right time based on how quickly they wear out. We also want to make sure that we've got quality management practices. You know, when we're ordering parts, we want to make sure that the parts that we're receiving are in good condition and we're not installing poor quality parts. We want to make sure that we include the operations because ultimately, if you exclude operations, and they probably influence the reliability of the machine more than anyone, if we exclude them from our engineering processes, ultimately, we're setting ourselves up to be chasing our tail for the rest of our lives. And where I find most businesses really struggle when it comes to trying to manage the failure modes is they collect data, but they collect an obscene amount of data, thinking that data is going to give them all the answers. And then based on that data, they try and make all these decisions. But if you have failures that are driven by practices which are poor, you're not really getting the full picture. We need to understand what's influencing these problems and use that information for making value-added decisions. And another area where I think as businesses we really, really fail is every time we have a win, we should promote that win. We should really, really talk positively about things that we've done well. We need to have measures in place that allow us to identify the strengths of the people that we have working and give them the kudos when they desire, you know, when they when they deserve it. So, look, when we go through this process, ultimately, each person who works with asset performance management needs to understand and take control and take ownership of the failure modes that they can influence. I think that's basically what sets us apart. Wow, that's that's a lot to absorb there, Peter. You know, you mentioned going back to the beginning, talking about the influences or the influencers, as well as, you know, let's let's chase the causes. Let's not chase the consequences. And then you summed it up with the, the failure mode. So in summary, if I take a look back and say, influences or influencers are important to understand the causes are what we're going to chase and we really want to eliminate the potential for the failure mode so it's all good stuff and i hope everybody has an opportunity to absorb that a little bit moving forward then if a company has to start where would you recommend them starting and you know what are the fundamentals look very good question. And if I put my consulting hat on, nearly everyone would say to me, go in and do an audit and tell me where I'm strong, where I'm weak. But often people don't have that luxury. So if you really want to get started, the simplest thing that you can do is educate people. And the education doesn't need to be complex. We just need to educate and understand what we can control and how we influence. So I say education, number one. Number two, we need to clean up ineffective maintenance activities. So once people understand what's good and what's bad, we need to clean up our maintenance strategy. So eliminate ineffective operating and maintenance tasks. So the third one we really need to focus on is getting our planning and scheduling right. We need to use the people that we've got effectively. There's no point having the best activities in the world to perform the best maintenance tasks, really intelligent data, if we can't execute and use the resources that we've got to the best of our ability. People get a buzz out of using their time to actually add value. We need measures in place that are defendable, and I call that one number four. These measures come from collecting intelligent data 
and using key performance indicators that drive performance. And the last one, if we have failures which I call unacceptable, these are failures that we should have or could have dealt with better or avoidable failures, we want to find out what really went wrong. So we should investigate these. And any of the investigation outcomes should be shared. And if we do have a positive win out of those and we do improve our performance, we need to, again, promote those positive outcomes. And I'd like to think that as the next point. So if I was in business and when I go to businesses, I always say and ask the same question, what could I do to help achieve a better outcome for the assets and the people that I work with in it? And every action that you perform can have a difference and can make a difference. And if we do the little things, ultimately that contributes to the big things. And I think that's what asset performance is all about. Good stuff, Peter. I, again, we would take it from the beginning. Influencers chasing causes, not consequences. Let's look at those failure modes. And you just gave us a good summary of where an organization should start. And really the, the biggest one is about people, right? Educate. We need to educate the people, let them understand and have input into where we're going, how we're doing it. And, you know, basically the end of the day, they're going to be the owners of it. So they need to be the most educated. So Peter, again, I want to thank you for joining us here and appreciate your insights into asset management. It's, it's kind of a different, a different animal when you're speaking of uh, where we're going, how we're doing, and, and how we're going to actually manage this thing going forward. So if anybody out there uh, wishes to obtain more information about Nexus Global or our solutions, you can visit our website at www.nexusglobal.com or send an inquiry to info at nexusglobal.com. Thank you again for listening and joining us, and we wish everybody a productive and safe day. Hey, Larry. Thanks for that. It's been Good. a pleasure. Good stuff.